What do you say you and me take a walk over to the tavern? Let's pull up a chair. A little something to eat. <laughs> Welcome to the Mouse and Castle. Come on, Johnny. What are we waiting for? This is a gathering place for fans of all things Disney. So sit back, chow down, have some sips, and chit-chat about the magical world created by Walt Disney. Disney. For too long, I've been parched of thirst and unable to quench it. <laughs> well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mouse and Castle Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. Glad to be here with you as we talk all things Disney, from the parks to the films to Disney Plus to uh, construction updates at Epcot, which is the... The main segment of today's show, which I can't wait to talk about with my good friend and yours, it's uh, Mr. Aaron Goins. How's it going, Aaron? Pretty good. I like to hear about construction updates. I like right? that sounds like progress. Well, I believe it was on, on last week's show where, uh, or maybe it was, this was an off-air conversation, but I remember you and I were talking and and we were kind of concerned about, about the future of Epcot and where it was going to go as far as all of these amazing updates and we had gotten some word of, of postponed or canceled construction, like the uh, uh, the Mary Poppins um, cherry tree lane theme that they were going to do, and, and and a few others. But we actually now have confirmation of projects that they are working on, so we can talk about what they're still going to be doing. But before before we do that, before we do that, so I was on BuzzFeed. Oh no. <laughs> So th- th- here's the thing. I um, welcome to, to to 2009, I guess, because I was on I was on on, on BuzzFeed and I and I saw this. Uh, well, I saw this link to it, and it was a BuzzFeed quiz. And I was like, you know what? This is Internet 2.0. It's a little dated, but I we've got to start the show to uh, by doing this BuzzFeed quiz. The title: You can only save. One Disney movie per decade. The rest will disappear forever. And you can go through and see where your choices stack up against everybody else's choices. So, um, oh. Mr. Aaron Goins, I want to kind of go with uh, with you live through this. They don't they don't have every movie from that decade, but uh, but let's start off with the 1940s. You got to choose between Bambi. Dumbo, Fantasia, or Pinocchio? One of these is a slight winner. See, I, I actually am, I have the answers in front of me, which kind of makes this fun where I know where the, the, the populace have voted, but I'm curious if how consistent you are with the populace. Because when I went through this quiz earlier today, full disclosure, I found myself very boringly vanilla and just going with what all of the most popular options were <laughs> and all of my stuff matched up with the most popular one pretty much. But really, I'm that's curious. Interesting. I'm curious how, how you line up of these four films from the 1940s. See, you imagined this, this was going to be a quick segment I, I, <laughs> that we would just start the show with and then we'd start talking about Epcot. But I don't know if you realize how serious I take <laughs> picking 
That's my favorite true. Disney movies. That is so this true. is kind of an interesting thing. Okay, so uh, four Disney movies that actually most of these are not my favorites anyway. So it's kind of easy for me to imagine them not existing. Okay, all right. Which may be blasphemy. I don't know wow. some people. But wow, wow. So honestly, out of these four, it's kind of funny that I'm going to say this because I don't really like this movie that much, but I would pick Fantasia. Oh, interesting. Out of these four, just right. because I think it has the most iconic imagery mm. and like the whole idea of like Mickey with the wizard's hat is so, so iconic and it comes from that movie Yeah, that I'm kind of ready to get rid of the other three. That's interesting. My choice was Bambi, which was the most popular with 41% of the vote. Uh, Bambi was the most popular. My mine, I went sort of more personal favorite, but I like you're you're taking the archivist role. You're you're really taking the quiz more seriously as you're supposed to, where you are the sole archivist preserving one Disney film per decade, which carries us into the 1950s. You got to pick between. Now we're getting now we're getting to some real classics: Cinderella, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, Alice in Wonderland. Or Sleeping Beauty. Okay. Mm. Yep. This is. Uh... See, this is this is even. <laughs> yeah, this gets hard because this gets. There's so many iconic things in all of these movies. Mm. But I would say I would eliminate Alice in Wonderland. Okay. Uh, I'm not as big of a princess, like classic princess fan. So I probably, although they're both like hugely important movies, I'll get rid of Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. That leaves us Peter Pan and Lady and the Tramp. So I'm going to go with Peter Pan. It's going to be my pick. All right. You are, you are a rebel. Once again, you do not go with the top choice. You, uh, Peter Pan's actually number two by popular vote. Okay. But so cin- I'm not like... Yeah, too yeah. Weird. no, no, you're not it, it, within the realm of of acceptability. But Cinderella takes the number one spot with thirty two percent. But it was a little bit more divided this time around. This one I think was kind of more driven by just childhood memories and what movies I liked watching growing up. And like I, I just have a lot of memories of of Peter Pan and Lady and the Tramp. So I think those two kind of rose to the top for me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think that's. Um, I don't know. You you think about the. Um, the options when we're getting through the 50s and that's some of the 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 originals it's just you don't get more classic than than these the 60s introduce some all right twist live action films into the mix here um we're we're choosing between mary poppins 101 dalmatians swiss family robinson the sword in the stone or the jungle book I had a hard time with this one. I'm not going to lie. Okay, this one's easier for me, although I enjoy all of these movies. Uh, Dalmatians is probably my least favorite of all these. I'll just throw that out there. But it comes down probably to Mary Poppins and Jungle Book. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go with Jungle Book as much as I love Mary Poppins, just because Jungle Book (sighs) is just one of my favorite all-time Disney movies. Mm. That was a huge part of my childhood growing up even though I was I'm not from the 50s but or the 60s but well but I but think that's was, what it, for whatever reason this was in high rotation uh, I think you and I this is you and I have this odd overlap where there are these certain films of the 50s and 60s that we grew up a lot with probably because they came out around the time our parents were growing up so they made it into the sort of VHS rotation as kids I don't know if that's like if you're listening to this and that's your experience I'd, I'd be kind of curious you can hit us up on social media if like your go-to if you were say a 90s kid but you had jungle book you know uh peter pan 
Cinderella, the classics, if those were like your go-to or if it, or if it was really the uh, only the, you know, Mulans of the world. I'm curious because Disney has that sort of, I feel like as the 90s revival happened, there was this sort of home video revival. I have nothing, no data to back this up, but I just sort of feel like that was also the time where there's this home video revival of the, the other classic films. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. And I mean, it's really, I mean, Mary Poppins is probably right there with Jungle Book as far as yeah. that one's hard to just say, okay, if you only pick one and the rest go away completely, it's like that's a huge chunk of Disney history if you get rid of Mary Poppins. So, Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, well, this takes us to the 70s, an interesting time for Disney animation. We've got the Aristocats, the Rescuers, Robin Hood, and the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. This is the easiest one because I have no attachment to three of these films, but Robin Hood is uh, an absolute favorite, so I would pick that one. Interesting. Yeah, the uh, I gotta say, the one I picked was uh, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh because that is the most watched Disney film that I had growing up. Uh, Robin Hood was kind of in the top three or four. It was definitely up there. But without a doubt, I cannot count the number of times that me and all of my older siblings watched the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I didn't even watch the Aristocats all the way through until last year. Oh, yeah? No way. That was one that I had missed for whatever reason. And so I've decided to watch it. And I think because I had no nostalgia for it, it didn't really do anything for me it's really interesting because the i was surprised by the voting results so by popular vote the number one spot is a tie statistical tie between winnie the pooh and the aristocats i found myself with winnie the pooh because of the because of it you know being the classic um but robin hood was my number two of this list but it was uh, all the way number three with only 25 percent um reporting although it's a pretty even spread 32 percent, 32 percent, and then 25 for robin hood right. and rescuers comes in at uh 11 sorry if you look at it from a parks and merchandising perspective oh, winnie yeah. the pooh yeah. is you know head and shoulders above the rest of these robin hood gets no love when yeah. it comes to that but for for whatever reason that one that one and jungle book together were just you know my favorite disney movies growing up uh, so. yeah that that's fair that's fair um you know the the only way that i can introduce the the 1980s this way ariel listen to me the human world it's a mess so uh we get into the 1980s as we usher in uh the little mermaid the land before time fox and the hound honey i shrunk the kids strong contender there and oliver and company <laughs> I'm gonna call foul on this one. I don't know where they're getting their <laughs> their their movie list here, but Land Before Time absolutely was not a Disney movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, but maybe they're adding it because it's now owned by Disney because of one of the mergers. I don't know. Technically speaking, it's it. I, it, I think it's technically now a Disney. Does it movie, fall but, under the Fox banner? Is I, that a Fox? Movie? I think I it know. is, but I gotta say, listen, I am disappointed by the journalistic standards of BuzzFeed. I'm writing a complaint right now. <laughs> yeah, Land Before Time, although. You know, constantly, just like Shrek or a number of other movies, is constantly like uh, mistaken as a Disney movie. Yeah, it's that's definitely true. not. So I'll definitely get rid of that one. But 
Yeah. I mean, this is easy. Little Mermaid is just iconic compared mm. to the rest of these. And Oliver and Company is not even a good movie. So, <laughs> I will... <laughs> is that's the one you'd preserve? I, I I will say. Oh yeah, absolutely, Little Mermaid. I cho- I didn't grow up with Little Mermaid. Um, it was one I watched uh, in recent years. Um, but um, Savannah, my wife, did, and it's her favorite Disney movie. So it would be blasphemy if I didn't pick it. But for me. The classic growing up was uh, Fox and the Hound. But to no surprise at all, um, Little Mermaid comes in uh, with well over 50%. Uh, and the, Almost the, 70%. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not even close. Not even close. So I know you're a big Fox and the Hound fan. And it's a, it's, a, it's a solid older Disney movie, but definitely doesn't compete with Little Mermaid. No, in terms of, you're talking parks, merchandise, longevity. Music, like yeah. just the iconic songs. You yeah. can't. I mean, I get the nostalgia. You know, you have your your favorites, but yeah, I mean, it would be hard to to make a, a you know to debate the fact that that Fox and the Hound is a better movie than no. Little Mermaid. Well, no. And then listen, how did I start the segment? <laughs> uh, that takes us to the nineteen nineties. Nineties. Which oh, you man. know what? Uh, I've got a. <laughs> I'm probably giving away the top choice because, like, the go-to song I pick for each decade <laughs> is probably giving away the most popular movie of the decade. But, you know, I don't even care. I had none of this music prepped, as you can probably tell. But, listen, I can't help myself. So, oh, we've got 1990s. It's um, it's a stiff competition. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead with that. But we've got Mulan, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin, Hercules, Nightmare Before Christmas, and... <sighs> the Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's a that's a list right there. This is this is the real struggle. Yeah, this one's really tough just because there's so many iconic movies. If, I mean, just Lion King, Aladdin, and Beauty and the Beast are three of the most iconic Disney movies of the modern era. Mm, yeah. um, and obviously, why they did live action ones of those first. Um, so those would be the ones I'd be having a hard time with. Hercules is a personal favorite. Mm. I absolutely love that movie, but. I wouldn't put it above some of these other more iconic movies. So I'm not going to do the whole, like, you know, pick the one that is my favorite. Yeah. uh, You know, for personal reasons, but I don't, I'm going to stick with Aladdin on this one just because of Lion King has kind of become a favorite in more of my recent history. But Aladdin has always been like, you know, that was the one that I really connected to as a kid and just knew all the songs inside out. You know, the soundtrack was basically memorized Mm. And that was just such a favorite of mine. So I'm going to say I would pick Aladdin to to keep. Yeah. Well, you can't... Um, I mean, Aladdin's such a classic. But so many of these are, are, are absolute classics. And I was surprised by how it ranked in the popular vote. Because I, I did go for Lion King. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but it was very close between the top three, which were Lion King, Mulan, and Beauty and the Beast. But Aladdin actually brought up all the way down at number four, bottom half, which I, I really thought it would be number one or two when I was taking the quiz the first time. Who's voting on this stuff? It's got to be kids. <laughs> like, where are, the, where are all the 35 to 40-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, where are all the 35 to 40-year-olds voting on the BuzzFeed Disney quiz? Come on. Right. I think uh, the fact that Mulan is so high is an indication of uh, a modern audience making these votes because of Mulan being kind of in the in the news right now with mm. the new movie coming out and stuff because there's no way in any Disney fan voting world mm. 
that Mulan beats out Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin. Yeah. Like that's just that's just a foul. Yeah, I I I don't know. I I like the movie. I think every bit as much as it, it to me it ranks ahead of Beauty and the Beast and Hercules and all the others. I would say it, it probably not Aladdin or Lion King, but I would put Mulan for me as a strong number 3 um when it comes to these. If that if that makes sense. But I do you think Mulan, besides just the fact that it's a new movie, has aged better than some of these other films? Because I feel like it wasn't as popular at the time, uh, but has has sort of aged well over the years and, and kind of found its place amongst the other Disney Renaissance films. Maybe, but I just never, when I think of the iconic Disney movies um, of this era, you know, starting with Little Mermaid, there's kind of that list, you know, it's Little Mermaid, Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. And yeah. Mulan just isn't one of them. Hmm. And so I think although Mulan, you know, is a good movie, it doesn't have that same kind of iconic status as some of these other movies that really shaped Disney. Hmm. Um, it kind of felt more like an offshoot. Like, oh, they, they also made, you know, these are the iconic movies. They also made, you know, I would say the same thing about Hercules and, and a lot of the other movies. Those are kind of also made but they're not the key you know tentpole movies no no that's fair that's fair well you know what this takes us to the 2000s that's an echo gentlemen just a little something we have here in Louisiana a little parlor don't worry sit down at my team the 2010s a uh or the well the 2000s I should say we're not quite at the 2010s uh Interesting time for Disney. We've got uh, quite a list here. We have Treasure Planet, the live-action Peter Pan. I'm not. I'm not deigning the ones that they included that were not Disney. Uh, we have Bolt. Don't forget Bolt was a Disney movie. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> uh, uh, we've got The Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um. We're going to say the original and, uh, of course, The Princess and the Frog. Okay. So this one's easy for me, too, just because there's one that stands out above the rest, although I like a lot of these. Um, so my favorite out of all of these is Lilo and Stitch. Oh, okay. So all right. I just That's just a, a favorite. It's always been a favorite ever since it came out. I like, the, the, I like Hawaii, kind of that island aspect of it. And I also like the character of Stitch. I think character. I think Stitch is one of the more iconic characters that Disney's ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, he's everywhere. He's such a popular character. He transcends that movie. Yes. So even if you know people don't necessarily remember that movie that well, they everyone knows who Stitch is. So I think that that would be the one I would stick with. But I really, really like Treasure Planet and Emperor's New Groove. Mm. Um, those are two uh, two other movies that I really, really enjoy. Bolt. Uh- is not a good movie. Uh, no, so. Bolt is one that I've seen. However, Treasure Planet is not. I need to. I need to watch it. Oh, watch Treasure Planet. I, mm. I think even your sensibilities and kind of what you like in fiction and stuff. It's a nice. Um, you know, it's basically the story of Treasure Island, but mm. in a futuristic, um, I, you know, way, and it's it's done really well. I, I'm looking. I, I'm looking forward to it. I forgot that that is on the, I guess, long lost um, Disney list that. Uh, my good friend uh, Leslie, she, who's who's made an appearance on this very program, um, that we we drafted way back when I was stationed um, in Texas, uh, and we did a series. That's when the Disney movie nights began, uh, and they were chronicled right at the beginning of this podcast two years ago. So there's a long mm-hmm. list of the Disney movies that I had not seen, and Lilo and Stitch was one of them. 
and I saw it two years ago for the first time, but a perfect example, I knew all about Stitch as a character and, and his kind of quirkiness and, and, and his deal um, because he does. He definitely transcends that movie um, in, a, in a big way. So for me, I had to go for uh, what was also the most popular choice, which was Pirates of the Caribbean. But Lilo and Stitch mm-hmm. had a close second with uh, Princess and the Frog coming in third, um, which, I, which I think just makes sense. That makes sense. The as we get into the 2010s, Aaron, I have to say, <laughs> we've got an interesting uh, face-off, and I—I I mean, I think I already know what your choice is going to be, but we get into the like the live-action remake uh, era, and of course. Tangled, uh, Aaron. <laughs> we've got Tangled. But wait a minute, Moana, but wait a minute, Frozen, uh, and then like all the live action remakes, Maleficent, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Cinderella. Those are all yeah, the remakes. Yeah, they threw in the live action ones, kind of throws things off here. Um, yeah, so the, the, the live action editions, uh, you could probably guess which, what's going to be the most popular, but it's really like Moana, Tangled, and Frozen. I, I, if you, I hope you haven't submitted yet because I'd be curious what you think is the most popular choice before you tell me what your, what your choice would be. So I haven't submitted yet. Um, I mean, I think just, you know, convention would say that Frozen would be the most popular. Yeah. So that's that would be my guess. Okay, okay. And um, then what 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 would your choice be? So my choice would be Moana, which yeah. maybe would no be surprise. a lot of people's third choice out of those three, but once again I kind of just connect to that one more. Yeah. I like the island. Um, you know, I like the story that's, you know, on the island. I like the I love absolutely love the music in this movie. I yeah. think the soundtrack of this movie is hand, like way better than both Frozen and Tangled. Yeah. Well, so it was surprising. This was one that it didn't, you know, it was one that didn't have all the fanfare that you got from Frozen. No, um, but it was a surprising success. And I so, yeah, Moana would be my favorite of those three. But the other two, I really like a lot. Yeah, it's it's it was a tough choice for me. Um, For me personally, I had to choose what ended up being the number one spot just because of how special it is in a movie in my life for me and, and my wife. And at the time when we were dating and, and uh, engaged, it was like a, a, it was a, one of her favorite Disney movies ever. And uh, it, the theme from it was going to be a part of the, the wedding, you know, pre COVID cancellation. So it's a very deeply personal film. And I, that's what I chose, which is tangled, which is by far and away the number one spot. Oh wow, and it's not in, in Frozen's three. Frozen's so three. I, yeah, I'm calling into question these. <laughs> well, the hey, audience, your your the Moana. Buzzfeed audience must not be the same kind of audience that a true. <laughs> Disney, and now look at me being a gatekeeper, <laughs> but true Disney fans. I think if you put this on like a Disney forum or like in a kind of Disney ecosystem type of voting you would see mm. uh, some different results. It's surprising. Not yeah. only did Tangled finish two spots above Frozen, but it crushed Frozen. Yeah. No, um, but totally. Frozen got a sequel. So, Well, you know. Well, listen, Tangled probably should. It, just don't make a sequel. It is a great movie. It's a very sweet movie, too, um, in a way that hadn't... It, 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 traditionally classic, sweet um, Disney 
movie um, in a way. Now, that, do you? I know you're not a big fan mm-hmm. of kind of animated television shows as much. No, but um, I, I do know there's a Tangled series. So there's a Tangled series that actually I hear is really really good. I haven't I haven't watched it yet, huh. but I didn't know if that was something that you and Maybe we should. You yeah. and Savannah would check out. Yeah, it's, give that I a mean, whirl. I believe it's on Disney Plus. Yeah. Well, but. I I enjoyed that. That was a. You were right, Aaron. You do you take it very seriously, and I and I appreciate the the earnestness with which that you under uh, undertook this uh, adventure. <laughs> Sorry for taking up the the time <laughs> that you were wanting to talk about other stuff. No, no. Listen, uh, Epcot's still building stuff. That's what we're talking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, actually we'll we'll talk about it. We'll we'll actually get into it cuz that is what I teased at the beginning. And that I I pulled this um piece from WDW uh info. Uh, uh credit to the author Sasha Marie talking about Epcot. What is the fate of Epcot? And um she talks a bit about sort of the direction that it's been going and, you know, some of the, uh, some of the controversy and frustration from Disney traditionalists when they announced all of these changes and now how much of those are actually going to be accomplished. Um, so she highlights though, currently Epcot's in the process of building attractions such as Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, Moana's Journey of Water, and more. Several of the changes occurring will be in Future World, which will also be renamed. You can find out more about it here. At the reopening, the Epcot experience has taken off off a couple projects, including the reimagined Spaceship Earth. This major construction will continue to reduce the park's time uh, and space. And again, I'm concerned uh, that these changes, including um, the Harmonio U.S. fireworks, will not fit into the park's vision and history. So she's talking about it from the more traditionalist perspective of, of, um, of Disney. But what we do know now is we have actually a clear idea of what the actual construction is and what is moving forward. Literally, as of today, there's a new post uh, from Attractions Magazine, and we'll link to it because it has some pretty sweet pictures from BioReconstruct uh, on Twitter that talks about the ongoing construction at Epcot. Uh, I'll just jump straight to the piece. Work has begun again on the biggest renovation in Epcot's history. Uh these photos give us a look at the progress. Um, the main area in between the innovations building behind Spaceship Earth is basically just dirt and concrete now, and the new construction barriers have been added. Uh, and they've, they've continued to reroute guests. But it, you can kind of see where Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, as well as the Play Pavilion construction, and the new Fountain Pylon Spires construction... And, and finally, the Space 220 uh, restaurant construction. So all of those um, have resumed uh, construction work. And we can actually see it here through the questionably obtained drone photography. <laughs> right. <laughs> but how does, uh, he, how does he get these shots? Yeah. I, I, so, I, you know, I, I, I haven't followed the details of, of Epcot very closely, but it's been something that I was very curious about. Are you, are you happy with what they are continuing to work on so far? I mean, I think at this point I'm happy with whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Something, you know, at this point, because of 
everything that Disney's going through with COVID and, you know, we saw how much money they lost. We talked about that on the last episode. They easily could have just put a halt on everything. Mm. Just said, hey, the parks are what they are for now. And, you know, we're going to wait a couple of years until we really start to resume some of these plans. So the fact that they're moving forward with anything is, is yeah. awesome. Um, and the things that they are moving forward with are things I'm excited about. Mm. I mean, the, the entire revamp of the Epcot Park is is something I'm very excited about. And as much as I can be a traditionalist in a lot of ways and, you know, kind of hold on to the past, I also kind of once I start to think about it, I'm very willing to let things go because I like when they refresh stuff and I yes. like the new coming in. So when I, when you hear some of these people that are more kind of like, well, it's not Epcot anymore. Like the vision that Disney had for Epcot doesn't really match with these future plans I don't really, I don't get caught up in that stuff. Like what his original vision necessarily like was for Epcot. I mean, really what Epcot was even on opening day wasn't his vision for Epcot. So um, time is, you know, time changes things. I think that the heart of Epcot's still there, but I really like to see them refreshing things and keeping it exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I I, I appreciate how a lot of the stuff in the revamped uh, future world is what's continuing particularly the guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind coaster i'm probably most excited about just because of how much i love the refresh of uh the tower of terror um at uh california adventure and i i think so and and i think it's just a great franchise for theme park rides so i'm very excited to see what they do with that what i i guess the unsuspected things that i wasn't as familiar with was the uh, space 220 restaurant which um, I I read a little bit here and there, but um, I wasn't I, I for some reason it had just sort of skipped past my Disney news consumption. Um, uh, what the concept for this actually was, which is if you if you don't know, um, which it was supposed to open last winter, but it's had a few delays on going. However, um, the idea is that the guests go on a simulator where it feels like you're riding 220 miles above Earth. And upon arriving to this new space-themed destination, you will dis- disembark onto the Centuri Space Station and enjoy their meal with views of Earth from orbit. Like, how freaking cool is that for a restaurant? Right. And it's kind of, a, I think, going to be similar technology to probably what they use for the Star Wars Hotel. Mm. You know, where yeah. your experience, like, you're not actually looking out the windows and seeing, you know, the park. You're looking, you're looking into these you know, screens that are meant to look like you're looking out windows, but you're seeing space, you know? So yes. I think that experience is probably using some of the similar technology. So it might be a little bit of a preview. If you, you know, we're probably going to get a chance to go to this restaurant before we get a chance to go to the star Wars hotel. Mm. So it'll be a bit of a preview on kind of what that might be like. So I'm really excited about this one. I have an, I imagine it's gonna be hard to get into, uh, yeah. initially there's going to be a high demand for it depending on when it opens, you know, if it does it open, during um, kind of this pandemic stuff where the capacity is super low, so maybe you do have a better shot of getting in, or does it open when everything kind of opens back up and then you never yeah. get in and you know, yeah. you're know you lucky if you get in in the next couple of years. So yeah, I'm, this is one that'll be on the top of my priority list on trying to get a reservation at this restaurant because I think the concept is really, yes. really cool and unique. I, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be top of my list. I, I think kind of going off what you're saying Aaron I, 
I could see them definitely waiting till uh, there's a more normalization post-vaccine world because Disney hasn't had to deal with this. They shrunk, and we talked about it on the show, they sh- they shrunk, they're shrinking the hours at the parks, but they're not doing what Universal has recently done, which is closing down and limiting unpopular attractions and just not manning them. And just like right. severely limiting the uh, the access to the park. And, and, and sort of a Universal did this more kind of desperate appeal to... Florida residents to try to get some traffic and that is literally like buy a ticket and then have, you know, a pass for the rest of the year um, to the parks just to try to get uh, attendance up. Right. Yeah. And I think attendance obviously is super low, lower than they expected and lower than their, I mean, as far as I know, maybe I missed something. They're not announcing kind of what their daily attendance is. No, they did Probably. say that it was lower than expected in the recent uh, earnings call, but that's all they right. said. So they never announced what their, you know, what the capacity level they were going to be allowing people in at. They kind of hinted it might be around 30% or less, but they never gave us a s- solid number. And they're not announcing it what capacity is currently with, you know, who, who's showing up. So I, I have like a rumor mill kind of thing. Hmm. where a friend of a friend kind of situation. So take it with a grain of salt. Sure. But I have I know someone who knows someone that works at Disney that basically said that they're running at about 10% capacity right now. Dang. I mean, that, that fits with everything we've been seeing. Yeah. Which is just crazy. It's like to think about that. Like I haven't been there since the reopening, so I don't know what it feels like to be there, but to, to be at Disney and imagine the fact that there's 10% of the people <laughs> that are normally there. Like, I just can't even imagine what that feels like. It would feel like a ghost town, you yeah. know, which is good and bad. It's bad for the company. Good for you, probably, as a consumer, as far as your ability to ride all the rides and get around without bumping into people. Yeah, yeah. But it's just the idea of them being at 10% capacity is just crazy. Yeah, no, that's true. It It is crazy. I, I, you know, we talked about, like, thinking early on, like, man, it'd be cool to go around that time. And, of course, neither of us are in a position where that'll be possible, Um I'm glad. I'm kind of glad we got a, a, a sort of firsthand report on what that was like from uh, Scott Rifen a couple weeks ago on the podcast. You can go listen to it if you haven't had a chance to catch it, where he talks about how <laughs> freaking nobody's there. And um, I mean, he had a great time, except all the masks. He says it, it sucks because you know it's really hot in Florida, <laughs> but um, a small price to pay in some ways. Um, Aaron, I got to ask you one last thing. Uh, in the article, which is the updates and pictures that we've got of the France Pavilion construction, including the area for the upcoming Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. So they are moving forward with that. A very popular attraction, I do believe, at uh, Disneyland France uh, is where they first debuted it. Um, but Remy's uh, Ratatouille... I believe it. Yeah, I think it's in uh, one of the international parks, right? Yeah, and but they are uh, a big enough hit. They're bringing it. They've been bringing it stateside. They've been working this for a long time. A a trackless vehicle system, which they first opened stateside with the uh, Rise of the Resistance. The same kind of technology um, is is taking place here. But we can kind of see the whole uh, France Pavilion updated pretty significantly here. Um, what are your impressions of, of what we're seeing? And, and I guess of the things, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, Guardians of the Galaxy, Roller Coaster, the Space 220 restaurant, what are you most excited about that we're actually still evidently going to get? Right. I think, uh, so I don't know, I'm trying to remember if you were with us or you probably experienced the same thing if you weren't with us, but when we were riding the Skyliner, 
you mm. kind of go right over that area yes. in Epcot. Mm-hmm. And so back when we were there in February, I don't know if we rode the Skyliner then, or maybe I'm thinking back to November when we were there for the race. But I remember, you know, kind of going over that in the Skyliner and being able to see where they were expanding that area, so you could kind of get a sense of like the difference of how it was going to look. Um, so I think it's I think it's really cool what they're doing, and that ride in particular looks looks really fun. Yeah, um, I've now, I had purposely haven't watched the video kind of ride through of the current ride. Yeah, at the other park because I kind of want to be a little more surprised as to what it's like. But that one, yeah. that one I am excited for. But I'd say out of all of the the rides that are kind of currently moving forward, I think I'm probably most excited for the Guardians, just because uh-huh. I think that's going to be the the big ticket. You know, that's going to be the probably more exciting of the rides, and probably the one that's going to be the hardest to get on for a while. Yeah. No, I think it'll be um, uh, between that. I think the Ratatouille one will be fun, but it won't be as um, we will have seen the tech at least stateside on on Rise of the Resistance, which I love the way they they've done that. I, it's a very very unique experience um, for Rise of the Resistance, um, which I think I overhyped to you and William. I'm not going to lie. I think you that was, ruined the experience for I, us. I really did. That's, I can't wait to go back and ride it again because we yeah. only got to ride it that one time yeah you know so it's just that that first experience that you're kind of like overwhelmed by it Mm. and your your expectations are so high so i can't wait to go back and kind of the same thing happened to me with the the uh, millennium falcon ride i remember the first time i rode it i was a little underwhelmed yes but now that i've ridden a few times like oh this is so fun i can't wait to do it again so i'm excited to do that i'm excited for my son to see it i think Mm. him enjoying it will will kind of help me enjoy it so um, if if we do get to go when we plan to go in October, that'll be a high priority to make sure we get on that ride. So oh, he's gonna freak out. Uh, that's the oh, thing. And he's absolutely gonna be just. I can't even wait. It just Galaxy's Edge in general. Yeah, I, I feel like he's starting to get just a little too old. Like I wish I could have gotten him there even just six months ago. Yeah, you know I think he's starting to get to that. You know he's getting mm. close to nine. He's eight, but he's you know he's about eight and a half getting close to nine he's starting to get a little more jaded starting to realize you know certain things are oh that's just a guy in a costume you know like that kind of <laughs> thing so come on Dad. I, he would have been like six-year-old quinn would have absolutely just been blown away i think yeah. he's still gonna be blown away but um yeah. i wish i could have gotten him there a little earlier yeah yeah i miss the parks man like uh i, I put it out on on our instagram uh just kind of like what park do you miss the most because i was just like in a moment of depression what did like, you what what would your answer be? You know, I, I think my answer would, would be Disneyland actually. I think um ah. it's it's just a, it's one that I don't know why, but it's it's maybe it's the heat of the summer where I desire <laughs> the other side, the other coastal Disney that's the Disneyland more, Park. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Wow. I think that would have wow. to be the the go-to one. We had a we had a good number of uh responses. Um, I think I I said Animal Kingdom. I that's just currently my that's the park i yeah end up enjoying the most when i go to disney world so yeah. that's res- the one i miss right now pat responded disneyland so he's with me uh and then mohawk mama said magic kingdom the classic of course so but right. yeah it's yeah. it's I, I mean well hey i i kind of i, I organically uh led to it but hey that is going to bring this episode of the mouse and castle podcast to a close uh, and you can follow us on Instagram. It's at Mouse and Castle. Super easy to follow us there. Uh, and we're posting all kinds of fun things, uh, including new episodes when they come out, little excerpts, little fun audio excerpts. 
uh, pictures from the park that we've taken. That's usually, that's exclusively what we post. So we share and, and right now reminisce about our various times at the at the parks. That was so such Paul's. a good picture of the castle. I almost I almost texted you and said, you're only allowed to use pictures you've taken. Yeah. Because it looked too professional. It didn't look like something that you it, took. That was me. That was me. Nice. Well, DSLR there. I mean, I did some touch-ups, right? On the, so it was, no, there's good. some it's good. Good picture. Some some filters, but you know, yeah, yeah, it's I I, I miss it. So, uh, but yeah, follow us there, of course, on Twitter as well at Mouse and Castle. Mister Goins, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Av Goins. You can also find uh, my other podcasts at. Uh, well, I'll say the names of the podcast. Bad Wolf Radio is a Doctor Who podcast I nice. do, and I would, you know, we're looking for some uh, some new listeners. So if any of you happen to be Doctor Who fans, go check that out. And then I also have a Star Wars books podcast called Star Wars Bookworms. Easy peasy. Uh, which, which I'm getting into. I'm, I'm, look at me. I'm reading Star Wars books, man. Are you proud? Proud of me? Good times. Yeah, I'm always proud of you. Uh, so yeah, Star Wars Bookworms. Check it out. Of course, Star Wars Report. I'm talking Star Wars each and every week there. And uh, and of course, you can follow me as well at the Riley Guy. R-I-L-E-Y. You can follow me there. Um, but until next time, may the Force be with you. And... Almost forgot. Leave us a rating and review. Uh, share the show with a Disney friend of yours. Especially in the COVID times. We're all trapped in our houses, working from home. Never hurts to uh, share the magic of Disney with fellow Disney fans. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Mouse and Castle Podcast. Good show. I was realizing that they left out some notable Disney movies in those lists. Like I was, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was thinking about. It. I was like, I feel like there's just a lot missing. And then I was like, Wait, Wreck It Ralph never got mentioned. Or, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Big Hero Six. Like some some of the other ones that I kind of really like. I was just like, Oh yeah, they didn't really. I mean, Chicken Little wasn't in there, but I wouldn't have picked it anyway. And they skipped the Tigger movie. <laughs> 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 Yeah, there was there was just the one Winnie the Pooh movie, right? There, yeah. but there's been more than one. So yeah, well, listen, Winnie the yeah. Grand Adventure, I think it was the the spinoff one. One no. of these times, we'll have to do like a legit. Mm. You know, we're we're ranking our top five or ten or whatever animated Disney films. I think that would be fun. Ah, uh, yeah, I think it's some like some serious prep too. Right, into, like into we think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm up for that. I I enjoy it. Like I thoroughly enjoyed it, it's especially um one of these upcoming weeks.